Hey, Jared Morris here. If you know anything about Rainmaker Digital and Copyblogger, you may know that we produce incredible live events. Well, some would say that we produce incredible live events as an excuse to throw great parties, but that's another story. We've got another one coming up this October in Denver. It's called Digital Commerce Summit, and it is entirely focused on giving you the smartest ways to create and sell digital products and services. You can find out more and get a killer early bird price on your tickets at rainmaker.fm slash summit. That's rainmaker.fm slash summit. We'll be talking about Digital Commerce Summit in more detail as it gets closer. But for now, I'd like to let a few attendees from our past events speak for us. For me, it's just hearing from the experts. I mean, this is my first industry event, so it's awesome to learn new stuff and also get confirmation that we're not doing it completely wrong where I work. The best part of the conference for me is being able to mingle with people and realize that you have connections with everyone here. It feels like LinkedIn Live. I also love the parties after each day, being able to talk to speakers, talk to other people who are here for the first time, people who've been here before. I think the best part of the conference for me is understanding how I can service my customers a little more easily, seeing all the different facets and components of various enterprises then helps me pick the best tools. Hey, we agree. One of the biggest reasons we host a conference every year is so that we can learn how to service our customers, people like you, more easily. And here are just a few more words from folks who have come to our past live events. It's really fun. I think it's a great mix of beginner information and advanced information. So I'm really learning a lot and having a lot of fun. The conference is great, especially because it's a single track conference where you don't get distracted by like, which sessions should I go to and am I missing something? I mean, the training and everything, the speakers have been awesome, but I think the coolest aspect for me has been connecting with both people who are putting it on and then the other attendees. So that's it for now. There's a lot more to come on Digital Commerce Summit, and I really hope to see you there in October. Again, to get all the details and the very best deal on tickets, head over to rainmaker.fm slash summit. That's rainmaker.fm slash summit. Greetings, super friends. My name is Sonia Simone, and these are the confessions of a pink-haired marketer. For those of you who don't know me yet, I'm a co-founder and the chief content officer for Rainmaker Digital. I'm also a champion of running your business and your life according to your own rules. As long as you don't lie and you don't hurt people, this podcast is your official pink permission slip to run your business or your career exactly the way you think you should. You can always get links to extra resources in the show notes, and you can find those at pinkhairedmarketer.fm. So today I thought I would talk about something. I teach this a lot to our paid customers, the people in authority, the people in teaching cells. I will give a version of this at our workshop this October in Denver, Colorado, our live workshop, but I've only touched on it on the blog or the podcast. So I thought I might just get into it in a little more detail. And that is the two points of clarity that you need to get to in order to move forward on really just about anything. You know, your business, your career, your family life, your fitness, anything at all, really. So let's get started. The first point of clarity you have to get to is that you have to understand your constraints. And I'm starting here, frankly, because they're easy to identify, because this is all the stuff that we tend to gripe about a lot of the time. The bottlenecks, 
the things that are keeping us from moving forward with what we want to do and where we want to go. So money is often a constraint. Time is usually a constraint. Usually we don't have as much money or as much time as we would like to have to make the thing happen that we want to happen. If you have three kids under five, you have a significant constraint, and anyone who tries to tell you that you don't does not know what they are talking about. You may have a constraint of not having a good network yet. You don't have a lot of people who know you and who can help promote you. You might not even have a good internet connection right now. That would be a constraint. So our abilities or our lack of abilities can also be constraints, and these are the kind that we can get a little creative about working around. So if you don't feel confident about your writing and writing is something that matters to you, you can write more and you will get better. You can, you know, get more practice in recording your voice or making videos or doing whatever the thing is that you feel needs work. So a lot of times, if it's your ability level, your skill level, that's a constraint, a lot of times that's a question of practice and then to some degree, a question of letting yourself be maybe not perfect, you know, today. So we have some constraints that are real, that are very legitimate. Sometimes we have something that I frame as a false constraint. And I'll give you an example. One of the biggest ones, I see this a lot, is the idea that I'm not creative. This idea, well, I'm not creative, so I can't do that thing that that other person is doing because I don't have the creativity that that person has. And people who feel held back because they are not, in their mind, sufficiently creative, typically do not realize that creativity comes from doing. It doesn't come from thinking about something, and it sure does not come from talent. So creative approaches to whatever it is you're working on will not come to you and you shouldn't expect them to come to you until you're regularly doing that kind of work. It's the doing that creates the creativity. So that's a false constraint because people don't, for example, um, let's say, you know, you'd like to be an artist, you'd like to paint watercolors, but you have a constraint that you don't, you're not good at sketching. And so, uh, or you don't come up with creative ideas for sketches Well, the way that you do that is you do a lot of sketches and you do a lot of watercolors. And when you are doing this practice, um, I really recommend every day, if you've got some kind of creativity hang up, do the thing every day and give yourself permission for it to go well some days and, you know, not well some days, but give yourself some kind of an exercise and follow it through to completion every day. And you will be surprised at how creative you become around that thing. Completing a piece of work, it can be a very small piece of work every day, is a massive, massive creativity booster. And that's for visual artists, photographers, musicians, writers, doesn't matter what your area is. Another one that can be a false constraint is a lack of confidence. So, you know, everybody has a unique psychological makeup, we're all different. But very often, a lack of confidence or a lack of self esteem comes from a lack of experience. Sometimes the more solid work that you put out, the more confidence you gain. This is, by the way, especially true for your kids. So if you have kids or if you have kids in your life, give them opportunities to actually do something cool rather than, you know, a lot of gold stickers and gold stars um, that, that aren't backed by anything. Now, there is this thing that's called imposter syndrome where very, very highly capable people don't feel like they're any good. Um, So that can happen. 
But if you are not producing any work because you're waiting for confidence, that's probably counterproductive. And that would lead us right to another one that um, can be a false constraint, and it's very common, and that's willpower. Well, I would do the thing that I want to do, but I don't have willpower, so I can't do it. And you know, and I know, this is one that appears absolutely deadly real. And most of us have willpower issues in some area of our life. So you might have great willpower for your fitness, but lousy willpower for um, your business or, you know, whatever it might be. If you lack willpower, typically it's because you have not made the thing, the thing you're working on, a habit yet. So willpower does get stronger the more you use it. If you, you know, develop some practices of doing tiny little willpower things every day, you actually will get more willpower. But they have to be measured because it's also a thing that willpower is finite. When you use up the stock of willpower that you personally have um, for this activity, and it, you know, it can be different. I have a way different level of willpower for... Um, putting up with my son's shenanigans than I do for, for other things. When you've depleted today's allotment of willpower for that thing, then you're going to have to wait for the well to refill. Habit always beats willpower. And the reason some people are ultra productive or they get, you know, a crazy amount of stuff done every day, or they have this amazing fitness routine is not because they have more willpower than you. It's because their habits are strong. And so they're not actually using up willpower. They just kind of go into autopilot and get it done. I've talked about this in previous podcasts as well as on the blog, but to create habits rather than saying, well, I'm just going to go out for a 10 mile run every day, which is realistically probably not going to happen. You want to start much smaller than that. You want to use very small habits. In fact, even almost ludicrously tiny habits to create momentum. And then you build on that momentum and that progress can be fast or it can be slow. Any progress is totally fine. As long as you can keep the habit going, you know, you win. You get you get the win. You get the victory dance. As another way, you can give yourself some additional energy for this. I would recommend the value exercise. I talked about it in last week's podcast, and I will give you links to both of those episodes as well as a text version of the Tiny Habits one in the show notes. So constraints are all the things we gripe about. They're all the things that hold us back. The more fun one, of course, is the flip side of that. The constraints is everything you have to work around, and your assets are all the things that you have to work with. This is more fun, but a lot of people are not clear on it. So this is the second point of clarity, is you have to look around and start unearthing assets that you have and that you can tap, but you might not be thinking about them right now. Now, the categories are pretty much the same as they were for the constraints. You know, so money, well, maybe you do have a little bit of a budget that you could apply to this project. Time, maybe you do have a couple of evenings free that you could make this happen. So you might have a skill that you can capitalize on. Maybe you have a good speaking voice or you write pretty well or you have good design skills. You might have a person who could help you. So it could be a person that you pay. It could be a person you barter with. It might be a person you even would create a partnership relationship with, like a business partner 
Or it could be something as simple as a person that you ask for a favor. Now, in terms of creativity, people who are creative for a living, you know, professional writers, artists, will almost always tell you that creative energy tends to come in waves. And so some weeks are more dry, and then some are really productive and really flowing. So start paying attention to that. Start paying attention to that creative energy. Again, do some work every day and see what's happening. But if you're feeling really sparky and really flowing, then see if you can take that advantage of that and get some additional creative work done. But there's another side of that that a lot of people don't talk about, but most creative professionals absolutely know, which is if you are in a period, a creative fallow period, sometimes it's called quieter creative period, that's when you go back to fundamentals. That's when you spend some time and you focus on getting better at the basics. You may take this time to work on some things that you would at other times call boring. I found that if you call boring things meditative, sometimes that makes them easier to take. Okay, I'm going to do all of my filing for the last six months. It's very meditative. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So when you're feeling, when you're not feeling super um, creatively energetic, you're feeling a more low energy time. You use that time as an asset and you work on the things that are not so glamorous because almost every time, Those are just as important as the sparky, you know, shiny creative production, and often they're even more important. So both of those times, the creatively fertile periods and then the creatively quiet periods, they're both assets, but you have to tune into where you are and then use those time periods in productive ways. And then in terms of habits, you know, we all have lots of habits that we do um, already, And one of the kind of cool things you can do with habits is you can hook one habit onto another habit. So even if you have, let's say, a habit of posting a long post on Facebook, every morning you get on Facebook and you you create a fairly long post somewhere, you know, could you use that as an asset? I mean, a long Facebook post is almost a short article. So could you take that time or even that post, uh, clip it out, clip it into, you know, your writing tool of choice and start building it out into a, an article. It might be an article that you publish, or it might just be, you know, some practice writing to get stronger as a writer. Could you take that habitual time and then deploy it in a way that's serving your needs better? And another way to do this is you just take a habit that you already have. It's not really difficult. Let's say brushing your teeth. And, you know, every time you brush your teeth in the morning, use that as a signal to maybe go do a push-up. Um, just one, just one push-up. And then after a couple of days, you probably do a couple of push-ups. And then you may, in fact, that can sometimes roll up into doing a whole really productive, excellent workout. But even if it's only that every day, you know, a year from now, right after you brush your teeth, you do 10 push-ups, that's actually pretty great. I mean, like if you do 10 push-ups a day, you will see a difference over time. So the key to moving forward and especially moving forward on something that you're a little unsure about, you know, a new business or a new, um, you know, a new anything is you put it all together. So you are at point A and you would like to go to point B. And what I would recommend is the first thing to do is take a couple of minutes. First of all, write that down. I am here and I want to go there. Get clear about it. 
You can do it electronically or physically. Do what works for you. Then scribble out as quickly as you can all of the constraints and all of the assets that you can think of. So let's make this a little less um, abstract because it's hard to think about things in the abstract. Let's say you want to get a new ebook launched. And so your constraints are you really don't have a budget that's going to work for getting this done. Your time is limited to weekends and two evenings a week, and you're a slow writer. So all of these are constraints. Your assets are you know the topic that you want to write about very, very well. You have a blog. You have, uh, let's say you have an email list also. And you know that there's interest in this topic if you can just get it done. So all of those fall into the asset category. So one of the things that I like to do is look down at my list and, and say, out of these assets, is there anything in one of them I might be able to use to address a constraint? So looking at our example, you have a blog, you have an email list, that means you have an audience, and you have expertise, but you're a slow writer. Given this set of constraints, I would probably send a post out to my email list, and I would write a quick article on the blog, and I would ask for a writing partner. I would ask for somebody to partner with me to get the project done. So you don't have, remember, one of the constraints was we didn't have budget to pay, but you could barter consulting time in the thing that you're good at. Remember, you have really good expertise in the topic. So you can barter some time consulting with this person, giving them expert advice, expert help, even maybe doing some things for them. And you're going to trade that for their writing ability and their writing speed. So you get together, maybe you get together over Skype, you record some Skype calls, you do some consulting hours, and you can have a very solid ebook draft together quite quickly. And you may, in fact, do the exact same thing to get the cover done. I've talked on this podcast before about we all have our own individual puzzle that we're putting together, and it depends on which pieces we have. So it's like Lego. You know, we all have our own unique bucket of Lego, and we all are going to put it together in a different way. So this whole business of assets and constraints is in no way innovative. You know, I did not make up any of this. Uh, in fact, there's a whole theory of constraints coming out of lean production. Uh, and all that means is you just figure out what your most important bottleneck is and work on it until it's fixed and then figure out the next one. So people who write business books write about these things all the time. It's fairly common sense. And one of the things that I have noticed is that it's these common sense, tried and true kinds of solutions that tend to actually work. Sometimes, though, you'll have a gray spot on the map. You'll have something, you maybe you don't know what you don't know. Maybe you just can't see your way clear to get started. Uh, you just can't understand the solution. You have a constraint and you just cannot figure out how on earth you're going to work around this constraint. It just seems impossible. In my experience, the answer to those situations, they come up all the time. After a while, you get used to seeing them and they stop being so scary, but they come up, they continue to come up. The answer is almost always people, a person or some group of people. So the answer is usually to reach out to somebody or a group of somebodies. So Solution number one, you are absolutely welcome to ask me a question on Twitter. I may or may not have an answer for you, but it's worth a shot. It's just a tweet. I'm at Sonia Simone. You can also use the example I used here. You can email your list. 
or you can ask a question in a LinkedIn group, or you can ask a question in a Facebook group. One really powerful thing you can do is you can form a little accountability group. And you know what? You can do all of those things. You don't have to choose one. You could do all of them if you're really feeling stuck. It may require um, coming at it from some different angles. But somebody that you come into contact with has an answer to fix the, the constraint that's slowing you down. Now, the one thing I really want to counsel you is before you ask, just take a moment. You can take it like literally right now to make a micro commitment to yourself that you will act on some of the advice that you get, even if it's only as a relatively small action, even if the action is you're going to look into it further, you're going to investigate an option further. If you constantly ask and ask and ask and you never act on what people offer you, people will get burned out and they will stop being motivated to help you. People want to help you figure out your problems. It's, you know, a really interesting thing. Barbara Sher, um, for those of you who know her, she writes really interesting books about living an unconventional life and getting things done and figuring yourself out, even if you're sort of not too motivated. Um, that's an insight that I got from her, is that even people who don't like you, you know, if you present, well, I have this bottleneck, this constraint, and I'm, I can't figure out my way around it, there is just something in the human brain that wants to help you figure that out. So, you know, capitalize on that. So that's Sonia's pink hair theory of assets and constraints. Maybe not the most innovative thing you'll hear all week, but it is effective. And it doesn't take a massive amount of willpower or anything else to just sit down, make yourself a little map, and get clear. Points of clarity, the two points of clarity. What are your constraints and what are your assets? And then where are you now and where do you want to go? And you will be amazed at just getting clear on those things starts to open things up a little bit. So one reminder, if you haven't been following recently, this show, Pink Haired Marketer, is going to be on hiatus in the month of August 2016. I am moving. I have things um, that are going to be kind of intense to take care of. So I thought this, this episode right now is episode 71. I think that's pretty cool. Um, so I'm going to take a bit of a break. We will return in September with a new iTunes feed and host it on a new site. But conveniently, pinkhairedmarketer.fm will continue to send you exactly where you need to go. And I mentioned this last week, when I come back, one of the things I'm going to do is to do a mini course, and that will just be for subscribers. That just helps me um, restore the visibility on iTunes since I'm going to need to switch accounts. And plus, I just think it would be a fun thing to do. So I have some thoughts on the mini course. It will be free. Um, but if there's something that you would particularly like me to cover, uh, last week Hashim had a really interesting suggestion. Thank you, Hashim. If there's something you would like me to cover in that mini course, let me know in the show comments or on Twitter, and I will for sure put it on my index cards and keep it in mind. Thank you so much for your time and for your attention, and I'll catch you next month. Come say hi on Twitter if you miss me, at Sonia Simone. Take care, everybody. See you soon.